the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. Pastor Sean, the -hmm. eclipse. Did you see it? Of course I did. Where were you? We were at the, we were actually at the little pumpkin patch at the Bra- at Bracken Methodist Church over on uh, on Nacogdoches Road out in Bracken, Texas. A little photo op? Oh, great photo op with the grandkids, both of our kids and their spouses, and all our grandkids were there. And we just were doing that. But my grandson, Judah, six years old, yeah. he's been into it. His teacher's talking about it at school, so he has been all into it. He had the glasses. We got another pair of glasses, so we had to share the glasses. Everybody's sharing the glasses. But we watched the whole thing. We kept checking the status, and we saw the full thing. They called the ring of fire. It was amazing. Yeah. But you got to look through these glasses or you burn your retinas, right, which would right. be bad. Yeah. Okay. Not so, God's will. But it's funny. Little Judah was the guy. He was the man. He was all into it, and this was his big science thing, so it was very cool. I was around here at the uh, amphitheater, and uh, Mayfield over here has got a welder's helmet. They're all walking around welders' helmets. Yeah, which is not which is not, not enough. <laughs> it's like it's like what are you doing? That's why they're walking into walls. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's that stuff. is exactly what they did. I'm like, you know, that's not like enough protection. Yeah. Well, they are real men. I will say, Pastor. Yeah. They no, they can't here. see well, but they're, they're they are here. real men. And Pastor Sean, I have to ask. There, the last weekend, you also attended the uh, pregnancy care center event. Oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah? That was cool. It, uh, Eric Metaxas was the guest. Did okay. you sit next to him? I sat right behind him, uh, several <laughs> tables back. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, because we sponsored a table, we're one of the sponsors I of the you. event. Uh, got to go to a private reception with him. So got to meet him. I actually brought up your name. I dropped your name. Look and? at this. I dropped my producer's name. Okay. <laughs> and that and, didn't get you nothing. Oh, no. He, Baron, oh, my gosh. Lies I, from the devil. Okay, no, he didn't really remember. But you gave me a unique encounter that you'd had with him uh-huh. because he's – with Salem and you used to work for Salem and I think he kind of remembered he was a little fuzzy you know he's in a long line with people and taking pictures and stuff but I dropped your name and said hey he was with Salem and talked to you about Bono and his interest in your book Bonhoeffer so I think he kind of remembered it but he was kind of like uh-huh uh-huh yeah because he meets a thousand people a day and so I'm like you you don't know Baron do you (laughs) (laughs) but he was very friendly um his talk was fantastic he's kind of a true biblically based cultural warrior which some people think is an oxymoron. You shouldn't be a cultural kind of in, involved in the culture war if you're a Christian, and I, I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think you need, we need to recognize that you know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and our warfare is different. But the idea of speaking the truth and standing up and helping people articulate uh, what's going on, I think is a I think it's a high calling, and he definitely has embraced that calling. One of my favorite little media moments with Eric Metaxas is when he was on with Don Lemon on CNN and just said something that he's never been invited back on since because he just stepped up to the nice. Plate and, yeah. Nice. Well, I'll share that with you. There's another show that he hasn't been on. Um, it's the Reaching for Your Life podcast. Hey, what's up with that? Did you ask him? I, 
I did. I did. Oh, I, I, it wasn't so the time for me to say. You know, you've bad. dunked on you've dunked on us yeah. like five times. Wow. Well. <laughs> he he. The, the thing is, they said yes, and then they kept canceling yeah. us. So did you get a picture? Did you get a selfie? Oh yeah, I, I the, the, no, not a selfie. Oh. I just got a nice picture someone took of he, Lori, and I. You okay. Know, so well, then we need to send that to his producer, and now now what should happen? Yeah. Hey, I know you. I'm not, you're we, not a weirdo. We want we we couldn't do it before, but my dear friend Eric, we, we want to get him on the show. Okay, good idea. All right, let's do that. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks ago, we did have the man conversation. Yeah, we were talking about yeah. toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. and uh, and you gave your take on what biblical masculinity looks yep. like, and that yep. inspired us to find a special guest today, Pastor yep. Sean. Doctor Owen Strand is uh, just a really cool guest. Got to have a great conversation with him. He is the provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theology Seminary. He's a senior fellow with the Family Research Council. His PhD in theology is from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He's authored like 20 different books, did some cool stuff on wokeism, the church and wokeism. He's written Reenchanting Humanity, A Theology of Mankind. Uh, his family and he live in Conway, Arkansas. It's a really good conversation. I'm looking forward to sharing it with everybody. And well, he's got a brand new book out. Yes, his new book that we're going to be discussing is The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. And it's a perfect follow-up. You and I shared some things, shared some things from a biblical perspective, but he's done a lot of research on what's happening in society. So it's a great conversation, great book. And you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean. And here's an interview with Dr. Owen Strand. Well, Dr. Strand, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I, I love the title of your book, The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them, Why We Need Them. Let me ask you, why now? Why, why write this book now? I mean, what, what motivated you? What motivated me is seeing how badly boys, young men, and men are doing. I mean, you look at suicide rates among adult men, they're sky high. Right. Uh, you look at you know men in working age years, prime working age years right now, and the levels are at the same level they were at in the Great Depression. You look at Mm. education, and for every one young woman who drops out of college, seven young men drop out of college. You look at school shooters, 97% of them are young men. If you just go through stats, if you let yourself look at the problem with sustained focus, you see that boys and young men aren't just having difficulties today. They're in crisis. Yeah. It seems like you could see it everywhere. Baron and I had a conversation about toxic masculinity a couple weeks ago. And my whole premise is I think that's a total misnomer. Masculinity isn't toxic at all. What the stereotypical things that people assign to that, you know, that's not masculinity. That's whatever. Why do you think that this is such a thing? Because it's obvious. It seems like men are being pushed down. Is this a product of of wokeness, which always looks for an oppressor and an oppressed? I mean, is this a reflection of that? Or what do you think? No, I think that's exactly what it is. I think that the patriarchy is one of the major targets of wokeness, of leftism. And so uh, men being a leader is now read as men being an oppressor inherently. So if men have authority and leadership responsibility that women don't have in even any context, then again, that enfranchises patriarchy and oppression and evil. And we can certainly say, I can and do say in this book, The War on Men, 
men lead badly. Men sin. I'm not here to present men as sinless, but I'm also not here to say God's design is bad and it's a terrible thing when men step up and lead and are assertive and are aggressive, all things that are now called toxic today. So I'm here to punch back against the darkness and say the darkness is wrong. And we've all felt it. All men have felt this almost as need to apologize for being a man. What are some specific examples? I mean, in your book, you give examples. I think we feel it and we've got this sense, but you've done some research. What are some examples of the men being under attack? Yeah, I mean, that very little phrase you just mentioned, masculinity is toxic. You can find uh, coverage of that idea and promotion of that idea, endorsement of it all over the place today. Uh, You know, just one example, Brown University in the Ivy League doesn't have a page on toxic womanhood, but it's got (laughs) a page on toxic masculinity. Right. Um, No one needs to present men as perfect to address this situation. But you got to recognize also in Canada, there was a university not long ago, a few years back, that set up a confession booth for men to confess the sin of toxic masculinity here again. It's not even so much how you and I would be affected by this as as adult men. I'm most concerned about how boys and young men who aren't reading any books, who don't even necessarily know how to communicate yet, who can't defend themselves, how are these messages hitting them? And the data tells the story. The data is not lying. Boys and young men are doing terribly uh, in this toxic culture. I've often thought on on take your daughter to work day. It's like, well, okay, that's built on an assumption that dads and sons are working together all the time. And it's just not happening. And so you're right. There's a way in which young men are being left behind. They absolutely are being left behind. And the scariest thing is that people don't care about them. And people think that's a good thing. Uh, I remember the the writer Hannah Rosen telling a story about a, um, a, a single mom who was trying to, you know, prop up her kids and get them through the day and all these things. And this heroic story of her efforts. But what people don't realize is that, yes, it's good when when someone stays in the home, but that's not a success story. Um, the, the family has a design. God wants there to be a father and a mother, a husband and a right. wife who fight through sin and fight through trials and fight through challenges to love one another and stay together. It's not a win if the family breaks down, but that's the way our culture portrays it in a lot of senses. Yeah, it, it really is sad to, to watch. Now, I know in some ways... The pendulum can overswing. It can overcorrect. Is any of this kind of an attempt to correct some abuses or some things that have gone before that probably needed a little bit of adjustment? Yeah. When you look at the life experience of a good number of feminists, you do see that some of them have been burned in real life, and that doesn't enfranchise their response. But you do have to understand that, look, there are a fair number of angry fathers out there. I talk about this in the book. I talk about angry manhood as an entire type of men. Men men have an anger problem, some of them. We all have that instinct, and it can overtake a man. You see that in Genesis 4, where Cain is jealous of Abel yeah. and kills him on the spot. I mean, what a sign to us as men, like, hey, the temper is a strong thing. Yeah. So no one is here to say whatever men are doing, they're doing perfectly. It, it would be much better for us to have a constructive conversation about ways men actually do need to grow and change, which is true of all of us, even as we need to have a constructive conversation about how women need to right. change and grow. Men are not this uh, you know, bad species and women are the more evolved form of humanity. Right. Uh, we all need grace. We all need Jesus Christ. One of the things that's been, and this is, uh, you know, I'm bringing up something that people have been talking about for 20 years, but the lampooning of men in every form of entertainment, media, sitcoms, whatever you're watching, the man is this helpless, hapless goof, and his wife is the kind of centered, wise, 
kind of has all the answers. Um, has that had an effect on people's thinking? It's had a tremendous effect. I mean, you think about being a child of the 90s like I was, you know, I was in my teen years in that decade, and there were so many different sitcoms that portrayed the father figure as such an idiot and a selfish goofball. Here again, men live up to that terrible stereotype at times. We all can. We all sin. Um, and yet, yeah, if you if you want a culture to do well, do you want to give boys good visions of manhood or do you right. want to give them terrible visions of that my generation was force-fed a whole lot of bad visions leading into today where now commonly in these superhero movies that are out all the time you know you've got the man actually being saved by the woman so right. six foot three muscle strapped guy is saved <laughs> by a five foot hundred pound woman and it's just like okay we are truly now watching unreality play out yeah. around us yeah and that's interesting because this does it's like, like it's not just a war on men and manhood it's a war on both genders i mean women I think they intuitively understand something's wrong and men are being diminished in their eyes. How does this affect women? Yeah, there was a fascinating TikTok video a few months ago where this self-proclaimed leftist young woman uh, lamented that she didn't have a, I'll call it a strong man for for her to marry. Uh, and what she said in this hilarious video was she wanted a man who would be strong for her the ways she wanted him to be, but without... <laughs> without traditional <laughs> ideology that would create a strong man. And I thought <laughs> that once in a while you come across, you know this, Sean, you come across a perfect video that encapsulates really everything. And right. that's it. That's where, and, you know, so you can laugh at it because it is crazy, but you also recognize in a genuinely compassionate sense, a lot of young women have been sold feminism. They've been right. sold self-fulfillment and these sorts of ideals and now they're waking up in their 20s or 30s and they're going, wait a minute, not all of them, but some of them, I actually want a man and I actually want a man who takes care of me at some level to some degree. And uh, this culture and this society has produced me as a strong woman, but the the men my age are overgrown boys, a lot right. of them. They, they're not even close to taking care of me. And that's where you see how, um, you know, the chickens come home to roost. So. Yeah. No doubt. Okay, so it's not it's not like this is something that's been hidden. It's way out there. Everybody, I think, who's paying attention and willing to look at reality sees it. How should a man respond, okay? Uh, in a minute, we'll get to how should a parent or a dad or a mom of a young man respond. How should men respond to this? Men should respond by understanding that that desire in them to be strong and capable and take dominion and live a heroic life, that, that's all good. That's not toxic one bit. It's not right. toxic at all. And right. those men themselves, there's nothing toxic about them. Those men should understand that they're a sinner and they're in need of Christ's grace. Right. And it's right there and available for them. He's, he forgives to the utmost, but they are not toxic in the therapeutic mm. sense that they can't be put back together. And one thing I really want to communicate in this book is there's hope for men. I'm not just yeah. talking about 16 year olds here. I'm talking about men who have faltered. I'm talking about men who have failed, who have stumbled whose marriages are in crisis, who aren't connected to their kids, et cetera, and so on. I'm here to right. say, uh, not for my wisdom, but God's wisdom, there's hope for you. This can change. You can be put back together by God, uh, but men don't hear that message very much. No, that's exactly right. Uh, we're talking with Owen Strand, the author of The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. So as men try to navigate this challenging times, take a moment and really describe healthy masculinity. 
I mean, I think when we think of the stereotypical toxic masculine, which again, the idea of toxic femininity um, is ridiculous, and so is toxic masculinity. Masculinity is not. What is healthy masculinity from a biblical perspective in your mind, and, yeah. and just from a a kind of a societal picture? Yeah, great question. I love that question. Um, I think it's not one thing; it's many things. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're, let's think about fatherhood. I'm a father of three kids, 15, 12, and nine, a 12 year old son. If I'm raising, if I'm trying to raise my son in a healthy direction, which I am imperfectly, but genuinely, then I'm trying to help him be strong. I'm trying to help him take responsibility. I'm trying to help him understand that he needs to cultivate a walk with God. I want him to be a worker. When I leave uh, for work in the day, you know, I'll say, hey, buddy, I want you to do 30 minutes of weeding. I don't live in some, you know, outdoors paradise. Uh, but I, I, you know, there's tasks my son can do when I leave on a work trip, uh, go speak somewhere. I'll say to him, Hey, I want you to lock the doors at night. Doesn't take him long. But what I'm, what I'm saying is there's a lot of different elements of strong manhood that we try to cultivate. It's not one thing. It's many things. When, uh, his mother, uh, is talking through something with me at the end of the day. I try to show my son that I'm genuinely listening to her and not just like, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Uh, you know, there's all right. sorts of skills you have to cultivate as a man. And God has set it up so that there's this whole family structure in ideal terms. So you don't take a course, you know, with hmm. some manosphere guru for six <laughs> hours and presto change you got manhood, bro. No, you're supposed to be in a home, ideally with a dad for yeah. about 18 to 20 years and learn. Yeah. No, that's one of the horrible effects of our broken families that kids do not grow up with what they were supposed to have. And right up close example of godly and healthy masculinity and femininity called mom and dad. They're supposed to have that. That's supposed to be normal so that boys and girls know, oh, that's what a man looks like. Oh, that's what a woman looks like. And they understand that. And that's not oppressive to women. That's not any of that. It's a natural process. No, it's not. That's exactly right. God did not make things so that, again, you download a file and you know about manhood or right. you're supposed to look out at these celebrity all-star men and mm-hmm. and that's what you, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're inspired by men. The Bible gives us men to be inspired by. I mean, who's not inspired by David who is sane? Wow, what a man. What a what a man who took responsibility and did the hard thing and did what no one else wanted to do and spoke up and and acted bravely. So God wants to inspire us, but actually as a dad, so much of what you communicate that is really important to healthy manhood is basic. It's very yeah. basic. I remember my dad, here's one thing that's very not exciting, but shaped me profoundly. It, it seemed like, at least how I remember it is, whenever I asked dad to go play catch, dad would go play catch. And that taught me something. My dad was there for me. My dad wanted time with me. I wasn't a drag on my dad. I wasn't pulling him away from stuff. And I mean, even those little things, those little things speak volumes. Yeah. I think masculinity, one of the important lessons is understanding what matters first. You know, the, 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 Part of the thing of the man being simply and only the breadwinner, and I, my work is outside in the world, and and then when I come home, I vegetate, and I'm not a part of things, and mom takes care of everything at home. That's where things started to turn sideways because men who understand that women, these little people who live with me, they're my most important assignment as far as even as a I'm, as a pastor, I realize that there's lots of people who could lead this church and this ministry that I lead. There's only one guy called to be a husband to Lori and a dad to Lauren and Ryan at, like I was. And so understanding that the, the priorities is key. 
It really is. And um, there's so much pulling at us fathers to to drift away and not pay attention and not love your kids. And uh, one thing I'm trying to call for in this book, The War on Men, is just for men to enjoy being around their kids. Yeah. But you have to cultivate that. You know this. I know this. Life is busy. You do come home and you have been handling a lot. And, you know, you do kind of crash land some days, right? But man, those kids need us. And um, the good news is, you, again, I just repeat myself, you don't have to be some sort of all-star dad doing things no one's ever thought of. Take a walk with your girl, put your arm around her shoulder, listen mm. to her day. How was it? 20 minutes. Uh, throw the football for a few minutes with your son. Yeah. The little things add up and they matter a great deal. Yeah, no, that's so good. H- how do you recommend as we, as believers, we try to lovingly, uh, but but intentionally push back on this idea of toxic masculinity, how to assert a healthy image of masculinity into the culture. I want us just to be engaging the conversation. I don't want us to hide out in our little, you know, place and, uh, and seek refuge from fallenness. Of course we, we have our family and, and all that. That's good. Our home is good. It is a place of refuge, but, but the church is supposed to be pressing into the darkness and we're supposed to be salt and light. Mm -hmm. And so, Oh, that's part of this book for me. I don't I don't know what to I don't have some genius program of how to engage everything. I'm like, find a conversation and enter the conversation. Find people talking about something and try to show that you're a reasonable dialogue partner. You're yeah. not coming in to burn everybody down. Even if you disagree with them, you're going to engage them respectfully, charitably. You're going to have a little fun with them. Hopefully, you know, show that you're a genuine right. human being. Being right. a Christian doesn't make you some sort of weird alien who can't talk to people. And But then you're going to have the conversation. And by the way, as you do it, you're not going to blink about truth. You're not going to like, well, sorry for, sorry for biblical truth, right. but, you know, I am nice. You're just going to speak the truth, but you you can have this dialogue. We've lost dialogue and conversation yeah. in America in general, just just in general. And so, hopefully, you know, Christians can can actually go to flesh and blood people. Go go to the fathers at the little mm. little league baseball game or the soccer game. Talk to them. How right. are you doing as men? What do you what are you challenged by? How's your marriage? How are things going? You, you don't always have to evangelize people, you know, with this you know staid and trite formula. You can you can talk to them like real people and see where it goes, and God may well use that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. This sounds like an amazing book. It means I don't have to go on the wilderness retreat where I take my shirt off and howl at the moon and, and pound on drums, right? To be to take this right of manhood, right? What kind of things in the book are you going to help men kind of process a little bit? Because it, it, we can talk about it. it's pretty simple when we do use these broad brushstrokes, but. Get down to it. What kind of things are in the book that are a guy's going to take with him and go, oh, hey, this is helpful? Yeah, I appreciate that. And no, I don't think we have to return to some state of nature to be a man. You know, right. reject the suburbs, yes. you know, burn your minivan or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Well, that's just SUV. a good idea. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you can burn the minivan. Feel free. But uh, no, I got an SUV. I live in a <laughs> suburb. You know, I, I don't I, I haven't, you know, built a structure barehandedly or something like this. Right. But what I, I think God wants us to focus on is being a strong man by the grace of God, yeah. building a spiritual walk, building a prayer life, mm. uh, being in the word, um, you know, striving to be responsible, striving to be a planner, taking initiative, taking responsibility. Mm, I'm coaching my son's youth basketball team right now. And uh, these boys, I can tell, I can tell the cultural influence because yeah. they they don't want to rebound the ball. They act like a rebound is a thought that no one has ever thought. And, and you can kind of, mm. you know, in a basketball coach way, be like, boys, get that ball, right? But yeah. what what I'm seeing 
is cultural indoctrination of these boys to be passive and Tentative, on their heels. Yeah. So yeah, so I just want to help boys understand that mm. they should be less passive and more uh, like balls shot out of a cannon. Yeah, and, you know, go get it mm. and uh, and not be afraid. Take some risks. Do some stuff. Try some stuff, and uh, God will help you, and uh, grace will work in you as you go. The book is War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. Our guest has been Dr. Owen Strand. Where can people find the book, Dr. Strand? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. It's always helpful to go into a physical bookstore and buy a book. You can actually still do that today, so that's that's good. Or Amazon's great. Um, And then I have a podcast called Grace and Truth um, on the Salem Podcast Network and um, on Twitter at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. So there's some places you can get it as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for being our guest. This has been awesome, and I hope to have you on again sometime. Thank you. Great questions. Appreciate it. Pastor Sean, that went by really fast. Both of y'all didn't come up for air for 20 I know, minutes. I know. He's bombarding you with content. Yeah. That was uh, that was great. That was two men talking. <laughs> That's real, right. Real men <laughs> with real jobs. <laughs> real men with real <laughs> jobs. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And I think it's so important. This is a day and age where, where I think men are forgetting how to be men, and mm-hmm. they're being taught it's wrong to be a man. And I... I'm glad for Dr. Strand for what he's doing. And, you know, you know, we have that belief. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. God yeah. gave a biblical framework of some things that maybe uh, it, it looks like to be a man, according to the word of God. So uh, great interview. Loved him. Loved what, having him. And what I love about River City Community Church, Pastor Sean, is that real men stand chest to chest, maybe over a grill. And, oh, yeah. And fellowshipping and, and just being men here on, on the campus. Well, we've always been a man-friendly church. A lot, a lot of churches historically have been very women-friendly. Men kind of are passive. They tithe and they do certain projects as need be. We've got lots of men in leadership, volunteer leadership all over. We've got lots of great women in leadership. But that again, I, don't, I think in the church, that's not as uncommon. Having so many men who go, this is my church, and I'm a leader in my home and my family, I'm a leader in the church, that is sometimes atypical. So, yeah, we, we are very grateful for that. Well, we're very grateful for you, Pastor Sean, leading the way. And again, teaching Sunday here. We're in the middle of this big campaign. Oh, yes, yes. City on the Hill has been going great. I hope you can come out 9.30, 11.30. It's going to be a great morning. And we've just been walking through kind of what God's doing. And it really is cool because we are all focusing on a vision that God has for us. And that is really a vision to make a difference in the world around us. That's why he gave us this amazing campus. And now we have a responsibility to do something with it. So yeah, come on out this weekend, 9.30, 11.30. We'd love to have you. And River City Community Church is on Lookout Road on the northeast side of San Antonio, right yep. behind Rotama Park, underneath this big, glorious amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Any big events coming up, Pastor John? No, Jesus Jam just happened. Uh, there's actually a big big, huge carnival group that's going to be using our parking oh, wow. lot. So that's going to be kind of interesting, and our amp team has helped support that. So that's going to be fun. Good. So carnies and rip-off artists in your church parking lot. That's nice. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> depicting it that way. I hope it's not like that, but if it is, you know, at le- I at least want my cut. <laughs> I'm kidding. Pastor Sean is kidding. <laughs> Have a great weekend, Pastor Sean. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord bless you as you follow him each day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.